Spawnable is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Yo, what up, everybody? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're having a fantastic, amazing week. I am having a good one. As you can tell, the energy is real high, real excited, real, real happy to be here with all of you here today. It has been a pretty interesting week. I think we have seen a lot of great conversations in the space pop up around video games and a lot of really interesting conversations around video games in general. You know, my boy. Boy, me, Paris, a whole bunch of other folks. We're all up in that GQ uh, uh, article about the 100 best games uh, on the planet. And everybody got mad at us. And they were like, yo, I hate y'all. I hate you. And I hate the way that y'all talk about video games. And I hate the fact that y'all could call experts. And I hate the fact that Bioshock Infinite was on the list. I hate all these things for a list. But you know what? Me. And our guests tonight were in GQ magazine. I'm just saying, I don't know what else to say about all that goodness, but what I do want to do is bring on our man, the man, the myth, the legend, the man, the myth, the legend. That was almost words that came out right, but they did not. It is the man, the myth, the legend from Gamertag Radio and the X cast on Kind of Funny. It is Paris Lily. Yo, what up to my fan, Paris Lily, coming on the show, rocking with us today. What's good, Paris? How you doing, fam? I'm good, man. You you made me laugh out loud. <laughs> you just talked about the GQ thing. Uh, I, honestly, I was so shocked by that. I didn't when when they approached me, yeah. uh, you know, to give my my top ten list, which would be a part of you know the the hundred, you know, cumulative. I didn't think any. I like honestly kind of forgot about it until <laughs> I saw it yesterday when it came out. And then yeah, people were mad. I'm just saying what I like. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why everybody got mad. The thing that was really funny about it was the fact, wasn't the fact that people got mad. It was the way people got mad about very specific games in that list. Oh yeah. Now, again, I understand how people were like, we wanted this to be something that was judged and weighted and all this other stuff. Like I get that as a idea of how you want one of these kind of comprehensive lists to go. But also, the funny thing about it, and, and, and talk to me about this, because I think when these lists come up and when people ask us, like, what's the things that you kind of figure out in the, in how you like games and how you kind of come to them? Did you have a specific, like, criteria in your own head for what you wanted to pick? Or was it like some, we like, in the way that everybody else was like, oh, I need to pick from a specific genre or I need to pick from a specific era to make sure. How was, what was your purpose, what your kind of process in that? Uh, no, that was not my process at all. My process was pretty simple. It was the games that were the most memorable to me. Right. That makes up my top 10. The, the, the ones that when I look back on them, I look back on them fondly because because there was some moment or something that happened in them that has stuck with me this entire time. This is why, and I've said this on Gamertag Radio a million times, my number one was easy, it's Super Mario Brothers 3. Right. I still say to this day, best platformer ever made. Sure, Super Mario World, sure, there's been other things that have come along that have improved what, what Nintendo did back in 1990 with, with 3, but that was the blueprint, that was the template, that was, 
me being a kid back then in high school playing it and going, oh, my God, I don't think video games will ever get better than this. It had everything. It had the challenge, the familiar characters, just everything that you would want in a video game. Super Mario Brothers 3 provided that at that time. And it has just stuck with me. So when I go through my top 10 list, that's every single one of them. There was a moment in those games that were just magical to me that, that yeah. will always with me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how people get in their feels about some of this stuff because it winds up being a real telling kind of thing when people are like, well, this game didn't get it. Or what we usually see in this space is, is that people who have had a gripe about a game for a decade will pop back up and be like, oh, this game shouldn't be on this list because it was a trash game. And because it was a trash game, how can it be on a hundred person on a a list of the best games of all time? And it's one, it's wild because like, I will fully admit, and I put my list up on Twitter because I put the I put the the game that shall not be named, which is the worst game on the planet, which is Bioshock Infinite. And that was on my list. It was like four or five on my list. Right. Mm -hmm. And I understand like we've had the critiques of that game for a decade. We've had that conversation for over 10 years now because it's a 10 year old game at this point. And I remember when it came out, the critiques of that game. And I remember the conversations about how bad it was done. And Ken Levine wasn't really supposed to be able to do that game. And he was a terrible person in the way that he ran that studio and did all that stuff. You see, I can pull all those critiques back instantly. Oh, and the game didn't handle racism well and did all this other kind of stuff. And I I remember, and I will fully admit maybe I'm not the smartest man. Maybe I'm not the most cultured. Maybe I'm not the person who plays every game with my pinky up. Maybe that's me, but I loved that game. That game had a lot of fun stuff in it. The art style was super cool. I love the zip line things. I loved all the, like, yeah, the racism stuff wasn't done well, but like most games don't handle that topic well at all. So like the idea that like if you have certain games in your list that the list is then null and void or that the idea that you need to pull in certain games from certain places is is just a weird thing. It is such a funky thing to see how people get in their feels about that stuff. I will ask you this question though. Was yes. there a game that you wished that you had that you had on your list that you would have wanted to see on the kind of bigger fuller list? Hundred percent, Mega Man Two. Ooh, okay. It almost was on my top ten. It's probably eleven or twelve if if I had to pull it into like a top twenty. That is a game. Like it's so funny. I actually beat Mega Man Two before I beat the original Mega Man, but that was the first time I remember. It was like, wait, you can tackle any boss however you want. Like you can do. Right. You, there was no order to it. You could do whatever one you want. Obviously, there was certain powers you'd want to get to take on certain bosses, but that was the first game I remember having that and just how much I loved it and, and just enjoyed it. Old Dr. Wiley and that whole crew. But going back to Bioshock Infinite really quick, <laughs> I'm not I'm not talking to you today. To, I'm not talking to you today if it was not for that game because I'd stop podcasting back in those days. Huh. I wasn't podcasting anymore. And it was Bioshock Infinite that Again, talking about Ken Levine, I, I love the first Bioshock so much. One of the best interviews I ever did was Ken Levine back in 07. And, you know, I had retired in 2011. I was like, I'm good to go. And, you know, but Danny and I had stayed friends that whole time with, you know, Pete and everything. 
and it was infinite they invited me to come on gamertag radio to talk about infinite that's and, funny and that and that was the episode i came on and people liked it so much that i came on that you know make this a long story short I decided to join Gamertag Radio. If it was not for that game, I never would have gone on. I probably still wouldn't be podcasting right now. That's wild. It's so funny yeah. too. I think there are so many pieces of connective tissue between yeah. like the way we talk about games and the energy that we bring to that stuff, which I still feel like one of the things I love about you in this industry is that you still do have this like genuine joy for oh, the yeah. stuff you get a chance to play and the stuff you get a chance mm-hmm. to cover. I think it's one of those things that we don't see a lot of people still have because we have a lot of salty folks in the industry still who are like, yo, I'm just mad about everything and I hate everything yeah. and everybody's bad and everything sucks. Um, but so, so that makes me, it makes me really excited and really dope to hear that you have that kind of memory alongside that conversation. And I'm happy you talked about uh, the, your interview with Ken Levine because you had another interview uh, very recently <laughs> Uh, that I definitely want to talk about and talk yeah. and talk to. Um, so, you know, massive kudos to you. Massive kudos to the kind of funny team for what I, I believe is the interview of the year so far. I, I, I think, you know, when I think about interviews that were done really well and interviews that came across in a way that felt fantastic, I wanted to give you and Snowback Mike and 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 um, uh, the fam. Why can't I think of his name right now? Gary. Gary Witta, uh about how you all handled that interview. And I want to. I don't necessarily want to dig through the minutiae of all the stuff. I don't want to really dig into the conversation about Redfall again because I know that was a no. I large. I do not either. <laughs> I know that was a large part of a lot of that conversation for that interview. But I do want to ask you, how was that interview for, for you? I think it's always interesting to see people who have had a really big moment, and you've had many in this industry, to have a big moment that turns the internet on its ear and turns the gaming industry on its head. You know, what is it like to kind of go through the process of not only snagging a big interview like this, but doing it real time with one of the biggest names in the industry? So I actually have a lot to say about this and not, like you said, diving back into the minutia of the interview itself. Other than, other than there is some postmortem things that I would like to give my perspective on yeah. uh, from that interview. But to, to your point, so this actually was scheduled weeks ago with with phil Mm. um we it had been a running joke and kind of funny that phil had been on kind of funny programming a few different times but he had never been on the actual xbox show (laughs) for kind of funny on on xcast so you know i've been talking to people you know at xbox over honestly over the past few months going back into 2022 about this like we got to get phil on we got to get phil like it just makes sense and i don't know if you caught before the spare bedroom opened, Phil actually came in and got a sneak peek of it. Yep. And he sat at the X-Cast desk yep. and there's a whole video of him kind of, you know, cutting a couple promos sitting at the desk. So it was like even, you know, I'd seen him a couple times, times, uh, you know, over over the towards the end of 2022 and in, into this year. And I would even joke with him. I go, you I go, you you actually sat at the X-Cast desk before I did like stuff like that. Just run a joke. <laughs> Anyways. 
you know, like I said, this has been planned weeks in advance. And the whole point of him coming on was, look, we knew the showcase was coming up. We wanted to kind of talk about the future of Xbox. Like, hey, you know, some of because if you look at the timing, they had just announced the showcase. So we we're going to be able to talk about that kind of the future of Xbox. There was some idea at Xbox stuff I wanted to talk about. I kind of wanted to kind of dive into the weeds of their, which I'll get into more when we talk about this interview and my perspective, but dive into the weeds of their overall plan now of making Xbox, the Xbox ecosystem, making the player the central focus of that ecosystem. In other words, you don't have to play on a console. We just want to get you into the ecosystem, things like that. I want to talk about my experience, you know, I had with Game Camp New Orleans with him, and that's expanded mm-hmm. now to Game Camp Atlanta. And I believe they've gone over to Sweden, I do believe. And I, I think they're doing something in Korea. But I wanted to talk more about how Xbox was going to enable creators moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there was even just yesterday, Matt Booty gave a keynote at USC, you know, with, with their their program. There was about 60 games um, that were on display at that. Unfortunately, due to some scheduling conflicts, I wasn't able to attend. But these are the kind of conversations I wanted to have. You know, we talk about Game Pass, stuff like that. But yeah. that was the whole point of him coming on. It had nothing to do with Redfall or Activision <laughs> or any of that stuff. And it just so happened, obviously, the CMA ruled against them. So my immediate, I, you know this because I texted you. I told you. He ain't coming up. I go, they don't cancel this. There's no way. They don't cancel this. That was my first thought. But nope, we're, we're going to do it. So I was like, okay. So even, you know, talking with, with, with Mike and everything, we're like, look, we'll address the Activision stuff at the top. You know, Phil can, can say what their perspective is, and we will move on and get into the good stuff, right? Then Redfall happened. And it was like initially the initial we knew it wasn't a, a, a great, you know, we I gave it a two out of five for, for the official kind of funny review, but we knew it wasn't a good game. But even that we're like, eh, we don't really have to address it too much. We will still we'll just move forward. But then you really started to see more of the problems. You really started to see, wait a minute, this is an issue. This is mm. a big issue. We have to talk about this. There's there's no way we can avoid this. We got to talk about it and just. So, you know, Xbox was great as far as they not once did they say you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. They made it very clear. We can talk about whatever we wanted. So, you know, we made it clear ahead of time we were going to dive into those weeds. So it wasn't a surprise when Phil came on that we were going to talk about that. He he knew. Um, but I do want to, you know, before I continue, give credit to Phil Spencer for coming on for the interview. Because like I said, when the Redfall thing, I'm like, oh, they're definitely not coming on now. They're going to cancel it. <laughs> and he came on and he came on. So I I, I definitely want to give him his kudos and his credit because and, and I'll just say this about Phil. Phil's a good guy. Mm. He is. No matter what you might think about Xbox and all that, all that as a person, he's a good guy. He, he really is. And for him as a CEO of Xbox to come on and basically face the music and answer our questions. And he was very candid, as you know now. And he was not in a great mood during that interview. And I'm not gonna lie, caught me off guard. Really did to see, I'd never seen that side of Phil before in any kind of conversations we've we've had public or private, never seen him that way before. So that was surprising to see he was agitated. He was not happy, but I think rightfully so. Mm -hmm. And this is where I kind of want to dive into my perspective. So clearly one of his comments towards the end is still making headlines. People are still talking about it where people are saying he just said it didn't matter if Starfield was 11 out of 10. They're not in the business anymore of trying to out console PlayStation or Nintendo. Mm. And I think, again, I was there in a the moment, right? So 
one thing I wish I was able to do because we were kind of running up against the clock would have been to follow up on that to get mm-hmm. a little more clarification from on it because what's exactly what's happening right now in that I think people are, are and again, this is my perspective. I, I want to be clear on that. I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm not making excuses for Xbox. I'm not saying defending Phil Spencer or anything like that. He obviously doesn't need my defense. Mm-hmm. I took it as, and my perspective on this is, which if you go back to the interview, again, one of the questions I asked him and as I was talking about is Xbox's strategy about its console, cloud, PC, Xbox Play Anywhere. They're not in the business anymore of saying we're only selling consoles. Of course, they're going to still sell consoles that in Phil said it himself, that is still the vast majority of the people that are in the Xbox ecosystem. But they're trying to, and again, my perspective, they're trying to bring the games to where the people are versus get the people to come to where the games are. You see what I'm saying? They're doing Mm -hmm. the opposite now. They're saying, we will absolutely still give you a console. It will be high quality, high end console. We obviously we see what the Series X is right now, but we're also going to give you that same experience on the PC. We're also going to give you that experience over cloud streaming. And as we're seeing now with what Asus just launched, I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, they're bringing it to a handheld as well, natively. That's the future. It's, it's instead of trying to reach the 200 million plus people that consistently play on console, let's go grab that other audience that's on PC. Let's go grab that audience that plays games on their on their phone. That's what they're trying to do. That's what I see, right? So when he, and this is the part that kind of bugged me a little bit because it's like, come on, I almost feel like use a little bit of common sense here. Of course, they know they have to make, of course, they know they have to make great games. Of course, regardless of what their business strategy is, regardless of how you interact with said game, if the game's not good, you're not going to play it. If if games aren't good, you're not going to subscribe to Game Pass. So bottom line, like he said, they have to start delivering. That's why I asked the question that I did, because it is a personal frustration of mine, but I know it's a frustration of people that are in the, you know, in the community as a whole that, they kicked off 2020 announcing that Series X with all those games. Great, exciting, new generation, Avowed, Everwild, Perfect Dark, Hellblade 2, you know, on down the list. But then they just went Zero Dark 30 with all that stuff. We've not had updates. We've not had any real tangible updates on these things. And then obviously you had a something like with Redfall, and we know Starfield is about to come here later this year. But the whole point is there's so many studios at Xbox game studios right now that we know we're working on things that we just simply don't know what they're working on, or we don't, we haven't had an update on the things that they have announced. So I do think this, this upcoming showcase is very critical for them because I think this is the time now to kind of rubber stamp and give us some updates on some of those games that were announced all the way back in 2020. It's crazy to think that was three years ago, but that was Mm -hmm. three years ago. Now you announced all this stuff. So let's get some updates on that. Let's get Starfield out. And you know what? How about let's have it be an 11 out of 10. I would absolutely love that. I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) But the point is Starfield comes out in great shape. It's a great game. It lives up to the quote unquote hype that is surrounding it. Forza turn 10. We know they're going to do a great job. Forza is great. Uh, You know maybe Hellblade 2 or something also comes out this year. Then we start getting the avowals and the perfect darks and the fables going into 2024 and beyond. It's like Phil said, he can see it. Obviously, he knows what the roadmap looks like. He can see it. He 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 can tell that we're close to the finish line. But as he also said, 
don't believe anything that he says until you have a controller in, in your hand and you're actually playing it. I think that's where we're at now with Xbox. Right, wrong, indifferent, good, bad, doesn't matter. It's just the truth of the matter. They are behind the competition in delivering content. We just had the Zelda reviews come out today. <laughs> yep. 10 out of 10, everyone's losing their mind. My dumbass almost bought a Switch OLED today. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. Buy one. But the point is, Nintendo's giving you something that is a system. We know Zelda's a system seller. Right. PlayStation just gave us God of War. We're about to get Spider-Man 2. These are games that you will go out and invest into their ecosystem to go play. Xbox simply is not there yet. But as Phil was saying, it looks like they're close. But we're at that point now. Close is no longer good enough. Yeah. You have to start delivering it until we until it's tangible, until I have it, until they get consistent. As Matt Booty said on Kind of Funny, you know, I think a year, two years ago, they want to and Phil just repeated it in this interview. They want to deliver games from their eternal studios every quarter. Um, yep. a, you know, a major release every quarter. That's the cadence they want to get to. It's great to talk about it, but until you actually do it. It's just lip service at this point. So I know I kind of went all the way around and back talking about that. But the whole point is, I do think what he he said was kind of taken out of context in that way. Of course, they want to deliver great games. Of course, the, you know, whatever their console is going to be, it's going to be a high end product. The Series X is a phenomenal piece of technology. Mm -hmm. Of course, I just need the games to be on it to play it. But at the same time, when you deliver those games, we got to stop delivering them feature incomplete and full of technical issues. I do think Xbox specifically has done a pretty good job with that. Yeah. Redfall is kind of the outlier, ironically enough, when it comes to that. But we also have the incident with Halo Infinite where they bet on, hey, we cannot deliver Forge and be a little content light at launch but we're going to deliver it three months later because that's what we all thought. But then obviously that didn't happen either. So then that was another black eye. So I think moving forward, just to kind of wrap up on this interview stuff, I think the one silver lining out of all of this is, yes, it's a bad look. Yes, the CEO of Xbox had to come out and take the hit for everybody. Right. And and of course, he's the leader. That, that That's what happens. But I think the silver lining of this, and Phil kind of touched on it, they're going to go back and look at their internal processes. They're going to look, go look and maybe, maybe their studios did have a little too much independence. We don't know. We obviously aren't in those conversations, but maybe there does need to be a little more oversight, especially when you're incorporating an entire publisher into, into your org. That is not an easy lift. So there's probably still some stumbling blocks that are happening there where some gaps in communication. But I will almost promise you at this point, all of that is being looked at now, because, again, they can't keep the self-inflicted wounds. I right. think ultimately that's what it comes down to. We, we like I like I said, I believe in what Xbox is doing. I, I wouldn't be on an Xbox show if I didn't. Right. I believe in what Xbox is doing. I love the services that they're delivering. All of them are great. I see the I like like Phil said, I can see it. Mm -hmm. But now the only component that is missing, which ironically enough is probably the most important component, are the games. They yeah. got to deliver them. And hopefully we get to June here and we'll we'll start to see see that kick off. It's a lot of there's a lot of pieces to that too. And and there's a lot of pieces to to what you shared and I think the you know, I, I do think it was really important and, and I give Phil a lot of props to, to be able to come in and withstand that heat 
in a, in a real in a real way with that a lot of yeah. teams don't necessarily do like i don't think that i would see you know all the time like you know the, the heads of a company come in and, and take the and, and take the heat in that way and, and the heat that you all gave was really reasonable because again like i think that that is a part of the conversation too i want to dig into that in a second but it was first time i'd seen phil kind of mad yeah publicly uh, for a person who is who is really on message and absolutely in control of his emotions all the time, it was nice to see him kind of be a little mad and be a little pissed off in mm-hmm. a way. And I think in a weird way, if I'm an Xbox fan, I am happy that I got a chance to see that because as an Xbox fan, there is this conversation that the, the mothership doesn't really care and the mothership isn't paying attention to the needs of the player, player base. And although there is all the stuff that people are talking about, it hasn't come to fruition in any real way that feels like it's, you know, really pulling through in some of the ways. Again, like, this generation of games, you know, somebody put up a picture of the Metacritic scores that came across for the past couple of games, at least of, you know, for most of the stuff of this generation, and they're hovering in the high, in the mid-80s for, mm-hmm. for most of the games that have come out. So, like, the idea that Xbox hasn't been delivering doesn't really meet the same rubber meets the road that I think a lot of the fans are, are, are kind of talking to from a critical standpoint. I think the ideas of what does it mean? And I said this on IGN when I was on, on IGN's podcast of, you know, Phil said, even if we hit an 11 out of 10, it's not going to matter. That is the point that we've hit in terms of the frustration layer from the player base, which is reasonable. I think that the other layer of that of that conversation, Sorry. bless you, other layer of that conversation that kind of weaves its way into that is you have PlayStation fans who are seeing top-notch bangers come out in The Last of Us 2 and Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank, all that stuff. So you get to, you can't even have the argument as an Xbox fan to say that, we're in a technology miss, right? Because I think that was a big part of the conversation in the beginning of the generation was, did we get to this generation too fast? Because the big thing that people were touting was 4K60. And we're still not even two years into this generation seeing consistent full res 4K60 from anybody. PC is the only place where you're getting 4K60. Mm-hmm. And even then, it is still a struggle bus for those things to run amazingly smooth. And that only really came to fruition with new GPU cards from NVIDIA and DLSS3, DLSS3 and things and like cheap. that. And it ain't cheap, right? That's the, that's the cost of a console in and of itself, right? So it winds up being a lot of conversations that are mixed within this about... What are the expectations from Xbox fans? Do you think that those expectations are reasonable? Two, how does how does the, the Xbox team kind of react to those things? Three, in a leadership position, how does this kind of run moving forward? And I think what you said was super salient about the like, now everybody's on notice in the Xbox game publishing space. There is no one now who is going to be on any of those teams that is going to put out a stinker in a way that Redfall did because all of that pressure now has been put directly on Phil and directly on that leadership management team so that he cannot come out on a stage the next time and say, man, that didn't really hit the mark. There's no way at this point for him to be able to say that and still get any grace from anybody involved. And again, I think 
kudos to him for 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 you know coming out in front and doing that work and i, I applaud him for doing that because it's it's important from the player base to have some confidence going in when they're at a huge confidence deficit right now so it's it's a real interesting space for them to to figure out what that next thing is and you know like i said on the ign cast i it's it's time for show and not enough tell like tell doesn't matter anymore and show is the thing that's going to get people excited about what's going to happen i think uh, you know, knowing what you know and what you can talk about Summer Games Fest, because I know there's a lot of stuff that we're both embargoed against and can't talk about in terms of appointments and things that are coming up. But do you think that Summer Games Fest is the make or break for this year for them? Is this the... Because they have stuff that's coming, right? So they have the the Starfield thing that's dropping that's going to be around Summer Games Fest. Summer Games Fest is going to be a lot of things kind of kind of bubbling up. Uh, maybe we'll get some new stuff, which I think we're going to get because I think Phil also said it in the interview. But is this a make or break moment for them in a, in a real way? Let me answer it this way. Yeah. And, and I will touch on Redfall to say this. I'm still in team, you should have delayed it camp. That's just me. I don't think this game should have seen the light of day in 2023. Even if it was the same exact game as we just got, what if it's, let's say it was pushed until the summer of 2024. Mm. With no changes, no updates on it, it's the same game. You would have taken a a, a minor fuss, fussing, (laughs) I think that's a word, (laughs) for delaying it again. You would have got to that showcase, showed what you had to show. Let's just say Starfield is great. It's a 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Forza is Forza. Turn 10, 9 out of 10. You know, Hellblade 2 shows well. And just as an example, mm-hmm. they launch Avowed next spring. Mm-hmm. And then you drop Redfall and it's a 58. Eh, right. Eh, okay. Right. Yeah. No, no one would care. Nobody would care. The biggest issue right now, what to, to answer your question, it comes in looking like a make or break because that game was such a bad showing and it was the first impression of your next gen only experience from your internal studios and the first game that you were charging me $70 for. That's what gives it the bad look. So in the sense of I don't think the showcase itself needs to be is make or break because again that's uh, to phil's point that's all lip service Mm. the make or break is going to be starfield forza whatever else they have coming the rest of 2023 they have to end this year very strong with game releases and quality experiences not that all of them need to be a 10 out of 10 because Mm. like i just played ravenlock and i think that scored in the 60s and i thought it was great scores don't matter right but the quality of the games do these come in at quality feature complete you know minimal bugs i think they're fine because now you're showing a consistent path of games that are coming out right and then whatever they announce in the showcase going into 2024 now if they have a bad showing at the showcase where it's like that's it and no dates <laughs> and stuff like that and then yeah. starfield were like and starfield's like that's it yeah now that's an issue yeah. And, and and fair, fair, unfair, however you want to look at it. It's just the reality. Perception is reality. The perception is Starf there's a lot of pressure on Starfield now to be oh. a good game. Now, now that is a question again. If we had more time, it, it's crazy that we talked to him for 40 minutes and I feel like we barely scratched the surface on the things I want oh, to talk yeah, about. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yep. but that is something that I would have wanted to ask him directly. 
is there more pressure on Starfield? He may have answered no. I mean, you know, because obviously you're, you don't want to publicly put pressure yeah. on one of your teams or anything like that. I totally get that. Again, he's the leader. That's, that's how we should answer it. Yep. But I think the question is, is at least fair to ask because from my where I sit here on the outside, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on that game now. And, and, and not that Starfield needs to appeal to everyone. Not that Starfield needs to be this mass system selling game, but Starfield needs to be a quality experience that realizes the vision that Todd Howard has told us about over the past few years. Absolutely. As an RPG, as a space exploration game, it needs to hit all those beats. So whatever they should, whatever that Starfield direct is, I need to I need to walk out of Starfield direct feeling good about that game. First and foremost. And then when you deliver it to me in September, I I want to I want to. I want to be in November of this year saying, man, I put a hundred hours in the Starfield. I want to have that conversation. I want to be saying that. I don't want to go, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I kind of just kind yeah. of went through it and review and yeah, I'm good. I'm going to move on. That's not how we should be talking. We yeah. have to be talking about it in positive light. And I bring, I say all that to say again at the top, that's all because you put Redfall out. It is. Mm. It, it truly is. I, I truly think if that game was just delayed out of this year, you get your games out, the rest of these games out. No one's complaining because like the ones I've already mentioned, you also got to think some of their partner games like Replaced is an indie game mm-hmm. um, that I'm, I'm super excited about. That's coming this year, day one on Game Pass. Stalker 2 is coming this year, day one on Game Pass. We know there's going to be some other things that they'll announce that'll probably come out this year as well. That's exciting. That's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. They just got to deliver them. And, and, I, and I'll reiterate one thing before you continue. This is the whole point that he was making again. They are no longer in the business trying like he like he laid out. They screwed up the Xbox One era and people have their digital libraries now. Yep. So these games coming out are not going to make you not get rid of your, you're not going to get rid of your PlayStation for them. Now, could they make you go buy an Xbox? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't necessarily need to buy an Xbox because you have a PC and they're available to you as well. Now you're getting invested in that Xbox ecosystem. That's what they're again, my perspective. That's what I think they're trying to do. They're not trying to do the blueprint that they had in the Xbox 360 era. They're trying to look how can we grow more? How can we get more people into gaming? That's what I see from Xbox. And I think it's the right call personally, because you're not taking anything away from existing console players. You can you can have the same exact experience you had through the 360 and the Xbox One era as far as being a console player. Those games will still be available to you. But now they're going to make these games available to even more people. And that's what I think he was he was saying in that moment. But obviously it came out as fanboy console war clickbait article nonsense <laughs> i mean the funny and and i think you're a thousand percent right when it comes to what the strategy is and and it goes back to that earlier part of the conversation of like i i wonder where everyone forgot <laughs> like that's the part that is annoying to me is that yes the xbox team has been saying this they have been laying the foundation for this. They have been saying it. It hasn't been something that's been shrouded in mystery or something that's been an unknown to the rest of the way that the conversation right. is gone. Like it's been a thing that they have been loud and proud about saying that this is the generation of ecosystem versus system. And it, and, and I understand if you're an Xbox um, 
only player right now. Like, I understand if you don't have multiple consoles, if you don't have multiple things to play, maybe you're just a console player, you don't have a PC to kind of like play around in some of the other parts of the ecosystem. Yeah, I feel like if you're that person, you should be mad right now. And you should be like, yo, what the hell? I just spent $600 on this machine. You said it's the world's most powerful machine and the place that I should be playing, I'm powering my dreams. I'm not getting any dreams to power right like i'm not getting anything right now and i think again that's a little bit hyperbolic but i think that's the way most folks who are like console uh, you know uh, uh locked in are thinking about those conversations and that quote that he shared earlier in in in, in an interview i do think though that you're absolutely right like this is the better play for the future of what xbox needs to do thinking also about it in its own ecosystem that is underneath Microsoft, right? Like people right. don't think about that as like, Xbox is a business unit within a much larger company. And that entire company has a certain level of PNL that it has to hit. And that stuff is like, Xbox could be gone one day. As a thing that's like, Microsoft is like, hey, we don't know if we're gonna continue to, to, to fund this because of the very singular angle that the technology is going in, where I think Sony has a different layer of how they kind of work within that larger Sony ecosystem with PlayStation being a, a another business unit within that bigger conversation. I think Phil is, and the team is really thinking about it in a much bigger and better way, in a way that I feel like is the way that most people are even consuming the way that they consume games now is just very different where I am going and playing things on my mobile device. I am going and playing things on a PC. The, 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 the laptop that I have to go do work when I'm on the road, that is also a gaming machine in my mind because of the way that Xbox has laid out this layer of the ecosystem in a way that a lot of the, that the other two companies have not yet. The other thing that I want to talk to you about that I think is really interesting and and want to talk to you about in terms of that interview is the art of the interview. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I appreciate appreciate about you is you've sat in the room with some of the biggest names in the industry. And every time you've had those conversations, everything has been amazingly well thought out. You know, when you have folks who are like in this kind of situation, you have also treated them with care in the respect of like, look, I know that that's a hard interview to get right on the right on the heels of really bad news. For the folks who are like not doing this work, who are outside of the realms that we kind of reside in, talk a little bit about your process for kind of going into an interview like this and, and, and how you're working that in your brain on the fly. Because I think that's a really cool part of the thing that I don't think a lot of other podcasters talk about, and especially in the video game space, don't talk about the way you kind of massage an interview to kind of get the stuff that you want while also being able to kind of keep the space good. I just make it up as I go along. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, to, to your point, it, it's funny. It's, it's honestly, it it's longevity. Um, doing this a very long time obviously helps. Um, but preparation, know who you're talking to, understand mm -hmm. the person that you're talking to and how they may or may not receive certain feedback or criticisms or tough questions. Things like, look, happy interviews are easy. That, that's easy to do. Anybody can do a happy interview because yeah. that person is happily going to want to answer your questions and talk about the thing. 
Um, it's it's the ones where obviously that we just did, where you have to ask a tough question, where you want to be respectful about it. Like I, I would say to people, go back. Even when I was asking questions, I would I would say it in a way of. I, I, I know you know this, like in other words, I have to ask this because it's topical, even though I already know that you know this this type of thing. Right. And that obviously spurs on more conversation, things like that. But but the biggest part of it is preparation. Mm. Like I said, knowing who you talk to, I, I can even give you an example, like you said, kind of on the fly, reading the room as you're going through. Go back and watch the Xbox extended showcase that, that I hosted when I sat mm. down with three, four, three about halo infinite yeah and i could tell one of the people at 343 i was talking to wasn't he was <clears throat> struggling is a strong word I, I don't mean this in a bad way but he was kind of struggling to answer the question yep so i pivoted in that moment and asked him asked him something else that i knew he would be able to quickly answer because mm. you don't you don't want the person to feel uncomfortable in that moment while while you're while you're interviewing them, you know, even if it's a tough question, happy interview, whatever the case may be. But that, that's just kind of my style. Like I said, been doing it so long. Try to always make sure I'm prepared, have my questions ready. Either I have them written down or, you know, I try to make sure I have them memorized. And then even when you ask a certain question, depending on how they answered, like you said, just in the moment, be be nimble enough to pivot off of whatever you were going to ask next and deeper dive into however they responded to what you just said. I, th I think that's important, too, because it, it keeps it the conversation going. It makes it more natural, not like it's just something that's scripted. And no matter how they answer what you just asked, you're moving on to the next thing you want it to be like a real conversation i think that's that's the most important part and even and i know you know this see i'm doing it now <laughs> um, <laughs> but pre-gaming that pre-game yeah. conversation before the actual interview you know kind of get to know the person a little bit kind of you know make it again you want to make them comfortable you, yeah. you want to make it that like, hey you're a friend you're 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 you're, you're not going to, like I said, even if it's a tough interview, you're not going to disrespect this person. Right. You don't want to be disrespectful, even though it's tough. Like I, I will just tell you in the moment, talking to Phil, very uncomfortable conversation for me, very mm. uncomfortable because I knew these were questions that we had to ask, but it just, and like, I knew these were questions we had to ask. I could tell he was in a bad mood yep. and it was just like, all right, let's, let's, let's get through this. Let's do it. And, and let's make sure we do it in a respectful way. But at the same time, don't shy away from asking the things that, you know, people want to know about in that moment, which obviously, you know, that that's what we did. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a feel like I would I would say for anybody that's getting into into podcasting now, that's going to be doing interviews, e either it's audio or on camera, whatever the case you know, you're, you're not going to be great the first time. You're just not. It, mm -hmm. it takes reps. It takes practice. It takes going through learning from your mistakes. I will even suggest going like I can't stand listening to myself. I cringe <laughs> every freaking time. But you, you go back and listen to yourself. Where can I get better? I find I find I say certain words over and over and I hate it. Yep. But I can't help it. Yep. But I try I try to be mindful of that. So I, I don't do it as much the next time. Like, what was the one I kept saying with Phil? I kept saying, um, I know I was like saying something like, uh, I know, you know, or or uh, obvious. No, I kept saying, obviously, I said, obviously, like a thousand times. I hate, it. I hate that I did that. 
it is what it is, man. You know, what are you going to do? So, mine, mine is still dope. I still say dope in yeah. too many interviews, and I'm just like, fuck, man, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But it, but I, but I appreciate it. And I think, and Royal Martin in the chat said something really important. I think it leans directly to what your point was. It says it's an interview, not an interrogation. And I think yep. that that's an important layer of all of this. And I think, you know, uh, we had a, I think I did the Dan Clancy Twitch CEO uh, interview a couple weeks ago, and. I remember getting feedback, like watching the comments that you're not supposed to do uh, mm -hmm. and watching the chat during the live show. And someone was like, why is he starting the show talking about basketball? Like, why would you do that? And I was like, anyone who knows how to do this well understands why you do that. You got to warm yeah. up. You got to warm up the guests, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Icebreakers are important. You got to warm the guests up. You got to make sure that they are not just like, so why did you not give us 30, 70, 30 splits on Twitch? The first question you get, like it throws everybody off and it's not human. It's not the way that it works. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real talent to be able to do that. And I think you, I think you do that extremely well. I think most people and the folks in the chat tonight are, are, are agreeing with me in that respect. So I, I just think I'm a talker. I, I talk too much. I, I, honestly, I, I just think I talk too much. But I, I, I will say it's it's so funny how me like podcasting all these years and being able to interview and stuff. How much it's helped me, even in my real job. Oh like, yeah. Like um, I I had a a, a a round table meeting and it was a good thing, it wasn't a bad thing. But right. my entire executive leadership at my company wanted to talk to me last Friday. Mm. and uh just kind of a get to know like all you know all this stuff and i'm just treating it like it's a podcast and i'm yeah. just rolling through you know all, all this stuff it's just, it's just funny how that works out it's it, you wind up and again it's like again another another yeah. thing for all of you at home who are thinking about this in a real way like because we i know you and i get this conversation a lot about like how do you transfer skills that's a skill that you transfer it throughout your job. It's a learned thing. Yeah. Like I, I know you're an introvert. I'm an introvert, <laughs> like socially awkward when it comes to that stuff, but like no yeah. one would ever know at this point in yeah. the way that we have those conversations with people all the time. <laughs> and you, you know, you know, the game since the pandemic, I work from home now. Right. So yeah. everything's obviously like on a team's call or whatever. So this is and when I'm at work, it's yeah. literally the same setup. Right. So everybody's everybody's always you have such a great radio voice and you got a professional <laughs> microphone and all that you you should really think about you know doing some voice you know like like do you have any other hobbies and I always say no every time uh, no why no, no, why no. do you say no I, I don't tell nobody at work what I do if y'all figure it out you figure it out I don't I'm not giving up nothing I learned you that the, I learned that the hard way yeah you smart about that yeah don't tell yeah. nobody nothing because then people will be like all nosy and then be like he said fuck yeah. on a podcast yeah. we don't know if we can have him on our on our thing it's, it's one of those things um I want to talk about we're gonna we're gonna pivot from Xbox Steph and and I love how Phil has been on your shows multiple times has not been on Spawn on me yet we don't have to have a conversation about that Phil I know you listen to the show come on the podcast anyway <laughs> Phil, feels like I'm the last one I ain't going on nothing for I don't blame you either like <laughs> I don't blame Phil either like if he were to tell me no I'd be like I totally understand it but like episode 500 is coming we want to get Phil on the show. Um, I want to talk about the new uh, hardware that's coming out from ROG, which I think is really, really cool. The ROG Ally has been blowing up the internet uh, for the past couple of days. There's been some preview stuff that's come out, and now the full reviews have come out. 
uh, in the space. Um, I know you and I have been, you know, putting some legs out on, on the internet being like, Hey, uh, we want to check these things out ourselves. Um, uh, but what are your, what's your thoughts so far? Cause I do want to talk about specs and all that other stuff in a second, but from the things that you've seen so far, what's, what's your, you know, what have you been thinking about this thing? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in this cause I love my steam deck. I mm. absolutely love it. And I think it's a, a, a revolutionary product, which this is why we're getting something like this today. I'm very excited about what, what Asus is doing because it is running windows, which my initial instant thought was, well, wow, now I can run the Xbox app and now I have access to all my Xbox games natively on this thing versus cloud streaming, which, which is what I do on, on the Steam Deck. So this really opens up PC Game Pass and kind of is a, a, a backdoor Xbox handheld now. So that's kind of my primary focus on looking at, at, at this and why I'm excited to check it out. Now that some of the reviews have come out, one of the sticking points that I, I think is very valid and I would assume and hope over the next months, years, et cetera, you know, Asus and, and Microsoft can work together to continue to iterate this is a UI. It is basically just a Windows 11 desktop yep. for all intents and purposes. You know, Asus has kind of their own Docker, it seems, where they've kind of put some of the apps where you can kind of navigate to them and launch them from there. Mm-hmm. Um, battery life obviously is not the, the greatest on this thing. It looks like it's about two hour, two hours of battery life in, in the mm-hmm. performance mode. Um, but even with all that said, I'm still excited to get my hands on it. Like I look at this as if the Steam Deck is the 1.0 product, right? This is the 1.2. Yeah, we're yep. still we're still not at 2.0 just yet. But this is a nice step forward. Let's see what Windows can do as as basically uh, in the handheld market, you know, as an operating system versus using Linux. So. I don't expect it to be perfect. I expect there to be some pain points with with the UI and thing. Um, I think obviously the battery life is going to be an issue. Like I'm imagining right now being on a plane flying to Europe or whatever. Well, after two hours, I'm done. Now I got to go charge it and go do something else. But not that the Steam Deck is that much better on itself. So it's things that I'll navigate around. I'll learn to get used to in the short term. But I think... This is a building block to eventually get to that handheld that is truly going to have great performance, great battery life, a great UI that what like what Asus is doing right here. You got access to all the stores. I, I can play I can play all my Steam games. I can play all the Xbox games. I can play on the Epic store. I can play on the Ubisoft store, EA store, et cetera. Anything that Windows can do on a desktop, you can do on this which I think is exciting versus a Steam Deck where it's Linux. Yeah, you can go in and tinker and mod a few things and get some emulators running and doing all of that. But this is more straightforward. And I think for mass adoption, it's this type of device that's going to be even more appealing than what the Steam Deck is today because it's more versatile and it's, and it'll be more, it'll be simpler. But I still think there's work Asus and I would imagine them partnering up with, with uh, Microsoft to do on this from an OS uh, UI side for a handheld. And I wonder too, like I think from a, you know, as a Steam Deck owner and, and someone who's been really excited about this too, the, the Linux layer of it, it has been a problem for me specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, of course you're running Steam from the Linux version of things. And and, sh- and again, shout out to, to the fam, Stubby Stan, who's the only person I know who plays on Linux and would actually like to play on <laughs> Linux natively. I love that you, Cicero. Like you're a madman. 
but it, it is that thing of like seeing it run Windows 11 natively makes me really excited because I just know things mm. are going to wind up working. Applications are going to be easy to download. I don't have to sudo into anything to, to get things to work in a way I can. I can hit Windows Update and it'll do what it needs to do. And as, as a person who loves to play emulated games on a console like this, it's going to make emulation for things like MAME and other things like that a lot easier. And you won't, won't right. have to go through a lot of the kind of hoops that you have to do to get some of those things together. Um, Xang Pow says, could you call this a Windows device or it is an, or is it too Asus to be Windows? I think, I mean, I think, you know, Asus and Windows have been doing work together on a long, you know, as a component team. They've been doing a lot of stuff on the, uh, you know, bio side of things with motherboards. So they're like, they're fully familiar with the Xbox, I'm sorry, the, the Microsoft ecosystem. So like, I think they, they kind of go hand in hand in a lot of different ways, which is going to be great. And understanding that, again, like Game Pass is going to just be there. Epic Game Store is just going to be there to download and put all that stuff together. And I think the beauty of where we are at in some of this, some of the spaces is like, it can only get better with firmware updates. Like, I think this yep. will be a device that when you start to get the firmware updates kind of pulled into the ecosystem, that will help to really pull a lot of that conversation forward for for what it'll be. I'm going to run down a couple of specs really quick while we, while we are talking about this. It's running AMD Ryzen Z1 Extreme Processor. Uh, four nanometer processor, four, eight core, 16 threads, 24 meg, uh, megabytes of total cache, up to 5.1 uh, gigahertz boost. Again, on a small uh, form factor machine, that's fantastic. GPU is an AMD Radeon uh, graphics card, uh, RDNA 3, 12, uh, 12 CUDA cores, or 12 cores, up to 2.7 gigahertz, up to 8.6 teraflops, and a TDP of around 9 to 30 watts. So that means you can go between 15 and 30, which I think is like performance and like whatever the, or 30, I guess is the performance and, and 15 is about the, the lower end of that stuff where you're kind of playing things more in 720p. Seven inch device uh, in terms of the screen, uh, 1920 by 1080, uh, IPS glossy, uh, Gorilla Glass, which is great. So that means it has some durability there. It's a touch screen as well, which I did not know. Um, refresh rate is uh, goes up to 120 hertz, seven milliseconds in response time, and 500 nits in terms of its brightness. 16 gigabytes of uh, uh, DDR5 RAM. Uh, you, I'm looking at the 512 version of this, so a 512 gigabyte uh, M.2. Uh, it's a 3.5 jack. Uh, the ROG XG mobile interface and USB Type-C, which is a wild thing because there's a way that you can connect this to another ROG device or Asus device mm -hmm. that basically bridges and piggybacks off an actual GPU that's in a small form factor that you can use to combine those two to kind of give you even more juice. That's wild. Um, Cause that's the only time I've seen something like that was from Razer, uh, where they had an external kind of uh, GPU box like that. Uh, USB 3.2, Gen 2, DisplayPoint 1.4, uh, micro, micro SD card, uh, and a lot of stuff there. So I'm excited about this. Oh, and it has Wi-Fi 6 and Bluetooth in it as well. So that's, pretty damn fantastic i love the way that they are coming coming to this in that way and it has a nice little cool uh fingerprint scanner as well if you want to log in with your fingers uh that's a pretty cool thing there what do you what do you think right now in terms of like you said this is a 1.2 kind of device 
do you think this is now in a space where we're going to see more people jump into this? Because we've seen now Valve jump into it, Logitech jump into it with their with their Logitech device, which is more cloud based. And now Asus coming in with this. Do you feel like we're at an interesting pivot point where we are starting to potentially hit mass adop- uh, adoption in this? Or does it still feel like a very niche product for only the kind of most expensive wanting to play, <laughs> play gamers? I think I think we're getting close. We're not there yet. I still think we're a few years out before before that happens. Um, I would imagine, as an example, like you talked about Razer before, seems like almost a no brainer. Razer yep. makes some kind of variant of this. Um, I think the biggest thing right now, like like as an example, this is running 1080p. I'm telling you right now, I'm playing in 720p. Just I already know that because I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna conserve battery that way. I'm gonna have more battery, and I already play at 720p on the Steam Deck, and it does not bother me one iota. So I don't have to have it at 1080p. I think honestly, I think that's more marketing than anything to get you at 1080p. <laughs> I I'll play it at 720p. You know, lock it at 60 frames or or below, depending on what the game is, and uh, just go from there. And obviously, you know, my experiences will vary. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet for mass adoption. I think we will see some other companies invest. Price points is going to be the biggest thing. I mean, the fact that AMD um, has basically taken a mobile product that I think was a Z1 or something they're calling it, but and they've you know obviously engineered it here to work more you know as a handheld. As these processors get better, they consume less less energy. We get more performance at the same time, and the prices start to come down. You know as these chip shortages start to lessen, I do think we'll see some more companies jump in and give this a go. I think the biggest stumbling block right now and to your point i think this will improve with firm firmware updates over time like i said before is going to be just the ui usability like i'm a tinkerer i'll figure it out i'll be fine i'm not worried there's whatever the pain points may be but you got to make this as simple as possible and i always use my wife as as an example if my wife is going to pick this up she needs to press the button she needs to see where the game is, mm-hmm. hit the button, and it launches and plays. If she got to move it around and s- swirl this and go into <laughs> all that, she's going to go, this is ridiculous. Why did I just spend $700 on this? I'm not doing it. That's what she's going to say. Yes. So you got to think about people like that that don't want to tinker, that don't want it, doesn't want it to be complex. They don't want a Windows desktop experience on a tiny screen. They want to be able to play the games. That's the whole purpose of this is. So there's still some work to do for sure but like i said i'm 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 pretty confident this is and it's just the truth of the matter we're about to spend 700 for a beta test because that's what we're about to do we're about to be guinea pigs we're going to beta test they're going to get feedback from people what they like what they don't like and they'll iterate on it and they'll improve it other companies again i'll use razor as an example they're just sitting in the weeds looking at that like look at what they're doing okay don't do that don't do that okay Mm -hmm. do this do that and then they're going to come out with something something and improve upon it that's what i think anyways I, I I'm with you, and I think we're we're for, we're a team first adopter, right? So we're we're, we're yeah. folks who like to be able to jump in on stuff when it's really early and, and kind of play around with it. Interestingly enough, with the ports that they have on there, I want to find someone, and especially because this is a Windows driven machine. I want to see somebody play around with this and figure out a way to make these a streaming device. And what I mean, and, and I mean like content creation streaming device, like figure out a way to get a USB-C, oh, yeah, yeah. USB-C mm-hmm. connection into a camera into this. You can run maybe some really low budget, really low lifts OBS versions in there to kind of get some stuff on there. Cause I don't know, I don't know if it has an onboard mic or something like that. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I don't think it does. Um, but, 
you know, if you can throw Bluetooth on it, you can potentially do a Bluetooth mic on there. Oh, no, it does. It has a built-in array microphone. So, yeah, like, you could use this as a potential streaming device in my mind in some form or fashion. It would be really cool to see someone get to that point or at least them figure out a way to open up the OS in a way that you'd be able to use more of those ports for multiple multiple uses. Well, the fact that, again, that it's Windows, right. all of that technically should be possible. Right. It should. I yeah. mean, it would just come down to driver support, I, I would imagine. Yep. 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 So that'd be really interesting. I'm, I'm dying to see what that is and, and see where they wind up going because they got to shoot their shot while they got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of shooting their shot, we have a new announcement in terms of someone that you not may have not known is new to the Call of Duty universe. Our friend of the show... Kevin Durant is going to be in <laughs> Call of Duty. Kevin Durant is one of your newest operators in Call of Duty. Easy Money Sniper is in Call of Duty. I remember seeing the, you know, the the image or the silhouette of of KD and I was like First of all, did they model his ankles? Cuz I'm just be ashy. <laughs> Did they get the? Did they get the? Did they get the the 4K Ash in the in the in the game? Did they did they make this happen in a real way? What are your thoughts about Phoenix Suns Kevin Durant now being in Call of Duty? I only have one question: uh, Is he seven? Is he seven feet tall in the game? That's all I care about. Is I he taller know. than everyone else? That's I all know. I want to know so he can get sniped in the head easy. Like, oh, there's there's KD. Take him out. That's all I care about. I mean, look, look, I'm not mad at him. Hey, hey, good on <laughs> good on him being able to get in, obviously, what is, is the most popular game in the world right now. You know, being in there, having a character in there, being recognized. He's building his brand. That's what you should do. Absolutely. Honestly, honestly, I'm surprised the Kardashians aren't in it. That sounds like something Chris Jenner would do. She'd have all of them in there right now. That's that's what I say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at KD at all for this. <laughs> Kardashians and Call of Duty. You may, you might not want them in there, but no one wants. Look, can I say this? Can I say this? And I know this is tangent in just a second. Wait a minute. Why are you asking if you can say? You know you're gonna say it. Just say. Oh yeah, I'm gonna say it anyway. My wife is a huge. She watched all the Kardashian shows, right? So because of that, over the years, (laughs) I have watched all these shows in some form or fashion. So I know what's going on. Yes. And I have said this for years, and it's still true today. Chris Jenner is a genius oh absolutely absolute genius she is a business savant she's a mogul yep don't sell that woman short at all so my going back to my point 100 this is something she would do and and look i know we're gonna get to basketball talk later there's a reason you've seen kim and all them at this courtside at staple or staples at the crib chris is like go to the game get me exposure get some exposure I mean, well, look. What I'm saying. Here's 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 my thing, and this is. I wish I had, had set up a solo shot for this, because <laughs> I want to plead to my friends at Activision and my friends over at Call of Duty. I'm happy that you got Kevin Durant in here. I know he's a big player of video games. I know he's a big COD fan. Yeah. I know they just put Tin the Tat Man in there. We just put um, uh, M Fam in there. I can't remember his name. Nick Merckx is in the game now. They have their actual yeah. likenesses in the game. I think you all messed up on this one. And I think, I think the, uh, 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 with the recent events that have just happened, I think there was a much better person to put in Kevin Durant's place. And I, and I, and I think it was this man. 
I think it was. You're gonna put anybody how did I, how did as I a shooter I knew it. in this game. How do you not put John Morant in the game who just had a gun charge? And how do you not put Ja in the game? You gotta put Ja Morant in the game. Come on. How do you not I do it? You, you were saying it. I go, it's either Ja or Dylan Brooks. I knew it. I freaking knew it. <laughs> That's so funny. You gotta put Ja in the game. You gotta put Ja in the game. How do you not put Ja in the game? Come on. It just fits perfectly. Well, I, I, I would assume his his PR would have politely turned that off. <laughs> He was like, yo, I just want to bust at people on Instagram. How you figure? How do you know? I can see him now. Because my thing is like, he would have the best emotes because he would do the dance. He would have like the dance emote. Yeah, he would yeah. have that. He would have to like fall on the ground and be her emote. Like he would be able to jump and dunk. Like he would be able to jump over people in the in 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 Verdansk and go and go get kills and stuff. It would be dope. Or like his VO, because like KD has his own VO in the game too. Like so, like he's saying stuff in his voice in the game. Like I want to know what John Morant would would say is like, I can't get a max contract because I didn't make the All Star team. Oh, <laughs> like I want to know what John Morant would say in the game. But I think Call of Duty. I think you messed up. I think this was a perfect time to get John Morant in the game. You could have capitalized off that moment, and you messed up. I'm just saying that I think you just messed up. Um, last story or last conversation for this episode has <laughs> spawned on me is I want to talk a little basketball because basketball, the playoffs are happening right now. We're in we're in a real interesting spot in terms of the playoffs. Both of our teams are in a three well three two position, or 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 well. Yeah, yes. in terms of like, well, yours. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the better position. You're in the yes. better position as a, as a Lakers fan. I am in the lesser position as a Knicks fan. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Drastic Raps in the chat said, I ain't worried about the West. <laughs> that would be his VO line. Oh, my God. Oh, that, would be, that would be beautiful. Oh, that would be actually pretty fantastic. How are you feeling about, about the playoffs overall? How are you feeling about your Lakers? How are you feeling about this season of, of playoff basketball? Because this has been wild. Oh, it's, it's been such a wild basketball, just the season period, like you even just bringing up job, but even more specifically getting into the playoffs to have the Miami. You know, what? shout out to Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons, because I listen to his podcast all the time. He'd been saying for months yeah. that he was terrified for the Celtics to play the Miami Heat in mm-hmm. the first round. He was like, I do not want to play that team. Nope. They're, they're zombies. Nope. Don't want to play them. Don't want to play them. He kept saying it for the longest. And then look at what happened. They took mm-hmm. out Giannis in the first round. And and Jimmy, this is why I even tweeted at you when you were bringing up Booker and Jimmy Butler, who's had the better playoffs. Yeah. I, I was saying, I, I can't say it's Booker by a mile because what Jimmy did, what Jimmy Buckets did in that first round, we're going to be talking about that for a long time. It doesn't matter what the Heat, the Heat's not going to win the title, but we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler for a long time, especially what was, was that game four? Yeah. Was it game four? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he did. I mean, that's, that's superhero stuff what he did that was insane sanity to be able to see something like that but yeah you you take what the heat is doing to see what the 76ers are doing right now i don't know what the score is i know that game's happening right now but to see what how mb got hurt james harden again talk about a zombie he's like the undertaker just just rose back up and he, all of a sudden he's 2016 harden again <laughs> you know with those performances For that he game. had 
one game he was. No, two. Two, yeah, two. 45 and, 45 and 42, 42, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm shocked. But let's get to the main event. <laughs> I, don't care about, I, don't, I don't care about none of them teams. My Los Angeles Lakers. Rob uh-huh. Palenka's executive of the year. He, he didn't win it. He was in 11th place in the voting. But Rob Palenka is the executive of the year. He took Russell Westbrook, Pat Bev, some second-round picks, and a highly protected future first-round lottery pick and turned it and turned the Lakers into an actual team again with yeah. depth. We have real depth, yeah. you know, which is crazy. Look, we'll obviously see what happens. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to hold this up for people on the camera. See, this is my credit card. <laughs> it hates me because uh, I will be in 100 section tomorrow night at the Crip for game six of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors with my son. And uh, I'm fully expecting the Los Angeles Lakers to win game six and advance to the Western Conference Finals. But in the event that that does not happen, it's, it's going to happen. There is no otherwise. It's going to happen. Oh. <laughs> he's he's no, willing it into existence. I, I know. But no, but it was so just sweet to see the Lakers take out Memphis for everything that you already talked about with yeah. Ja. We're not worried about the West. Dylan Brooks has literally ruined his NBA career calling out LeBron. Like, you know it's disrespectful when other NBA players are like, dang, bro, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, that, was, that was wild. But yeah, this has been such a fun playoffs. And and, and and you know and and I don't feel bad for him because it's the Clippers, but man, just Kawhi, Paul George, like we're never going to see that team fully nope. reach its potential ever because nope. it's, it's the same thing that happens every year. It happens every year, every freaking year. And I will say the same thing with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, KD left one problem to go to this one because guess what? Chris Paul can't stay healthy. He ne- yeah. can see, he can't. And when you need Chris Paul the most, he always gets hurt. Yep. So. It's just one of those things that I don't think the Suns are ever going to fully, and now they have no depth, so they really are, aren't going to reach their potential, uh, even with KD. But Devin Booker's special. I, I love watching that dude play basketball. It's it's such a delight to see him embrace the mid range the way that he he's a mid range assassin, and and he's really worked on his three point shot to really extend out his range. But he's just one of the elite shooters that we have in this league, which then brings me to Golden State. Yep. As much as I obviously want my Lakers to to beat them tomorrow and, and advance, I love Golden State. I just do. I just do. I always have. I, I mean, my son is a diehard Warriors fan. I just love watching Steph Curry. I just do. Oh, <laughs> like 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 I couldn't even like when when he hit that four point play the other night in Game Four. I wanted <laughs> to be mad, but I couldn't because I go at Steph. Right. I, and when like even last night in Game Five, when he hit that three at at the at the end of the half, like yep. right at the buzzer, I go that's Steph. It's Steph. Yep. You can't even be mad because we're, I'm watching greatness. I'm yeah. watching a Hall of Fame talent in real time. I am watching the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Yep. In real time. So you you appreciate it. So that again, this is why I'm so excited to go to that game tomorrow. I mean, obviously I want the Lakers to win, but I'm I'm excited to go because it is a playoff game. Yeah. With Steph Curry and LeBron James. Yep. With everything on the line yep. in that. I mean, the only thing that would have been better would be an actual game seven. Right. But that game, everything that it means to the Lakers and what that crowd's going to be, bro. I mean, just I've now been able to go, you know, to a couple games, you know, over, over the past few weeks. It's I mean, it is so 
great to have playoff basketball back back in Los Angeles for the Lakers because as much as everyone wants to say it's Hollywood and all that, let me tell you something. That 300 section, because this is where the cheap seats are at, yeah. those are real fans up there. And it gets really loud in there. And and tomorrow, that is just going to be electric tomorrow. Yeah. You know, every celebrity is going to make sure that they're seen. So all the court side is going to be filled up. And like I said, I, look, I'm in the 13th row, so I'm going to get to see everything. Oh, you're going to see everything. 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 And I'm going to make sure to be there couple hours early because yep. the real main event is watching Steph Curry warm up that that's yeah. that's that's a damn near worth the price of admission on it its is. own but yeah I'm, I'm loving this Laker team I mean you know you know everybody oh AD gets hurt all that LeBron's old okay I get it but I, I just love the depth that's been built we got Hillbilly Kobe I love Austin Reeves <laughs> you know yeah it, Rui, Rui Hachimura I love him too it's like I like I'm excited because I love the team. I love the team. I love the players. Like what Lonnie Walker did did the other night. Just I love it all, man. I'm like I'm just a fan. I'm just a real fan. This I is... love basketball. I love seeing great, you know, great players. I, let me say this one thing before yeah. you say something. Yeah. You as a Knicks fan, and I'll, I'm sure you'll you'll go into it. Sure. How frustrating is it? Because we used to have them, by the way. How frustrating oh, yeah. is it to have Julius Randle? Julius Randle is the worst prom date that you could ever have because shows up <laughs> looking good but he is not the he's not the dude to like open the door for you like he's like he's not that dude to like do the extra like he's the person like yeah. buy your buy you the corsage but not put it on your wrist like he, he'll go like 90% of the way there and then not do the important part it's one of those things of like and, and, and I know because, you know, y'all had him early on in his career. And the thing that bothers me is that he is such an interesting player in the league that we have now. Big body, a lefty, which is super rare, mm-hmm. um, can shoot, can drive. But he's so inconsistent and he is so very much easily thrown off his game by emotion like as soon as his emotions get into it like as soon as i see him bark at a ref i'm like he's not his his brain in in the game immediately and his ability to not it's not even not playing defense it's like undefense it's like (laughs) defense that you could have played but decided either that you don't understand how defense works or it's like his body shuts down. It's like seeing someone short circuit, but it's only on defense. And it happens on offense. Like I think I think the thing that bugs me about him is that he's a good player with a really medium basketball IQ. And I say that honestly, like as a person who's watched him for the past three years, do things that have amazed me and things that made me want to throw a TV out of a fucking window. Like, I don't know. I can watch plays of him doing things and then immediately be like, I know what this is going to turn into because I see he is not in the game for the Knicks. And I, and I want him to get traded this summer for the Knicks. <laughs> this is great. Like we are made it to the second round. I think Brunson is, is the key to this, to this team that yeah. we never had, or we haven't had in a very long time. I think, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, R.J. Barrett has been our best player, this uh, best second player in this playoff season, which has been fantastic for him because he kind of fell off for a little bit. Uh, he was having some struggles uh, in his term in, in, in the way that he played. One of the biggest gets besides um, 
ja uh, Jalen Brunson was Josh Hart, which was a player that I wasn't super excited about at first, but Never he Laker. exemplifies everything that is good about New York basketball. He is the hustle. Uh, he's the engine of this of this team in a lot of different ways that I was like now understanding how he plays, like really excited about that conversation. And I'm just excited for what the future can be. Like it now feels like we can actually lobby for a real free agent, another real free agent to come to the Knicks in a big way. And now we have something that we can kind of look at, even if we lose on Friday, uh, well, this, this show will be up after that game has come up. So, you know, maybe we would have lost or whatever, uh, at that point, but they gutted out a ridiculous win at the garden, almost lost it, but came back. Jalen Brunson played 48 minutes and, and, and pushed us to a win in that respect. But I'm really excited about what the Knicks are potentially going to do if they can continue to kind of grow this team in a, in a smart way. The thing that I think is the most interesting story, though, within this playoffs is that conversation between Steph and LeBron, where I'm infinitely jealous that you're going to go see that game because... I do that when whenever he comes to Portland, I go to the game early to go see him warm up, to see him shoot from half court easily, yeah. and yes. to do all this wild stuff that he just does. <laughs> like I remember, I was mad because I was like, "Yo, we are gonna be late for warm ups," and yeah. I was like, "Yo, we gotta, get, yo, we gotta go, we gotta yeah. get to warm ups yeah. to go watch Steph play." And it is that thing of I, I was looking at, I was on Twitter today, and someone posted a picture of that that famous. Dr. J um, under the basket layup. We, we, we jumped up from one side of the basket, went yep. underneath the basket and laid it up. And it was a new angle on that shot that I'd never seen before. And it made me reflect again on like this moment that we're going to have with Stefan and, and LeBron where one of them is potentially not just going to be in a league in the next two years. Maybe both of them out of the league in the next two years. And it was wild because it also tells you just how fast time is going. Where I remember LeBron getting into the league. I remember I when Steph wasn't Steph. When he was hurt a lot. He had bad mm -hmm. ankles and he wasn't the you know the best shooter on the planet like he is now. And it feels like his and LeBron's career has in a snap of a of, of a finger has gone, you know. And now it's about to end. It is really cool. And also just like, man, the league is in a really good spot because even with those two almost on the end, the tail end of their career, we do have players like Ja. We do have players like uh, Murray up in Denver. We do have players like most of the kids in Boston um, and, and some of the folks. And, you know, if Zion ever can stop eating beignets then you know then, then they'll be in a good spot to potentially get you know him back into a space to be able to go play in a real way like the nba for as much as we have seen over the at least probably like i think you and me in our lifetimes have seen at least three eras like three distinct eras of basketball the the, the jordan bird era the jordan era for actually the kobe and Shaq era in that real big way well, you know well, well yeah Mag magic and bird kobe all right, now I'm saying Kobe now, but Magic and Bird, Jordan yep. era, yep. like you said, Shaq and Kobe, now LeBron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've we've seen because I mean, you think about it when you think about the top players, the only ones that we haven't actually seen play see play, yeah, would be what Bill Russell, right. um, Will. Who am I missing? 
That's that basically it. Like the early sixties, yeah. yeah, like yeah. early sixties. Yeah. Cause like we, you know, I'm born in 78. So like I, I, I did see the, the bad boys of Boston, of Detroit, you know, I got to see Showtime with the Lakers, all that oh, we kind We did of see stuff. Elgin and Jerry West. Yeah, those are the only ones. I'm right, like, yeah. you know, I yeah. didn't really get to see like the, like, I didn't really get a chance to see like Charles Barkley when he was with the Sixers, really. Like, it just, it, it, he played, but I, and I remember it, but it wasn't the thing. Like, I remember him more in his son's era when he was playing around that time. But like, and then he went to the Rockets. Remember that? Oh my God. <laughs> That was a bad time. (laughs) But you know, it is it is a really interesting space to to now kind of see that on the tail end. So I'm some infinitely uh jealous that you're getting a chance to go but i think the league is in a much better spot for for where it is currently it's in it's in a really good place i think david david stern when he was still doing this thing would be looking down and being very very excited at what what we get a chance to see so so two things two things on that so again just to show you how old we're, we're getting and been around clay thompson is probably one of my favorite players like ever I, I just love clay love him and again probably second or third greatest shooter ever it's just it's crazy that both of those dudes splash brothers were together you know for for all this extended period of time but the reason i bring him up is his dad michael thompson mm-hmm. um and he now again played with the lakers in the 80s got to ring the whole thing but he he still does color commentary on the radio for the lakers yeah um he used to do like sports radio like he used to be on like an afternoon sports radio show right and i remember him i'm talking late 90s up into the early 2000s i used to remember him talking about his boys all the time and he would talk about clay when clay was in high school and he would talk about clay when he was at washington state like you know and to see then oh oh i think my son might actually make it to the league like you could he's genuinely like a father just excited about that and clay obviously gets gets drafted and goes to golden state and now you know he's on this hall of fame career multi-time champion and just the whole thing that's why i was joking my son i go clay's gonna come home i go he's he's gonna his career is a laker and he's like no he's not dead he's a warrior for life and i'm like okay telling you he grew up here This this is home but but I say that to then just kind of transition like into LeBron and it's wild to think he's in year 20. And I have, I, to be honest with you, I've not really been a LeBron fan. Sure. I've learned to appreciate LeBron. Yep. I think towards the end with that second run with the Cavs and obviously now he's a, he's a Laker. So I, I appreciate him, but to know I'm watching what is arguably one of the two or three greatest players to ever pick up a basketball and i can say i i I got to watch him play in real time and he's still playing at a high level which is freaking wild yeah and to then know that like i said with steph being the greatest shooter ever again he is arguably one of the 10 greatest players that we've ever seen and i will take it a step further he's the greatest under six six basketball player Ever, because when you think about the top ten, the only other player that's in that top ten is Isaiah, six six. Right? No, well, no, Isaiah's not in the top ten. It's Jordan. I mean, Jordan six six. Everybody oh, else who's, un- wait, who's under six six or over six, under? Six? That's a top ten oh. player. Because if you argue that Steph's a top ten player now, he's a short. He's the smallest guy in yep. that, and to have a. a, a Isaiah, when we talk that, not to get into the history of basketball, now I would argue Isaiah is probably the only other small guard that has truly affect like he affects a game like he is the difference maker in a game whereas like you know ai a little bit ai had his run there for a couple years but 
him, you know, those three are really the only ones that I can think of off the top of my head that are actual true small point guards in the NBA who are, they are the difference. They are the guy that you fear when they walk in uh, onto the court. Cause I, trust me, I have been terrified this entire playoffs oh, yeah. series with, with Golden State. Every time Steph shoot, I'm like, oh my God. When going miss, in. Like, like, like <clears throat> when he misses, I'm surprised. Yeah. That's how great he is. Yeah. That's greatness. When yeah. he misses, I'm shocked. I'm like, wow, he missed that. Yeah. You know, yeah. that it's it's crazy. So yeah, I'm I'm just so excited to be able to go to that game tomorrow night with all the stakes that you know all the stakes that that are going to be there, and to just know that I'm witnessing history. No matter which way it goes, I'm witnessing history. I can I will be able to say that I got to watch LeBron James and Steph Curry in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Man. You know, not a lot of people say that. So, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. That's going to be really, really fun. So, I, you know, please, please, everybody who's listening to the show live here on Twitch.tv slash Spawn and me, please keep a, an ear out for or an, an eye out for, get out of here, we have, for, 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 for Paris's uh, Twitter feed so you can watch him either be really excited or... or oh, I won't be on Twitter in the game because I'm going to be terrified the entire time. Yeah. Hey, look, look, there, there's three things that are going to happen. I'll be on Twitter if we up like 30. Yeah. But... <laughs> I'm either going to be terrified or I'm going to be mad. This is one of the two. We're going to be taking pictures and stuff, so we'll we'll see some of that at some point. So I, I know yeah. that's going to be in the mix for sure. Um, fam, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It, no, it's always course, it's always dope when we get a chance to chop it up like old black people. Uh, yeah. and- <laughs> And, and that's the thing. That's why even when I tweeted it, you know, I was coming on. It's it's been I can't even remember the last time I've been on. It's, it's been, been some years. It's since, been a minute. Since I've been on Spawn on me, but. And what I think you've come on X Cast once or twice. I know on X Cast. I've been on yeah. once. Yeah, I've been on once. once. We, we, oh, you've been on, but I wasn't on. That's yeah, what it was. We, we, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you yeah, can only yeah, have but, one at a time. Yeah, wow. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Khalif Adams said that. I did not say that. <laughs> but what they need to have, they need to have us both on the show at the same time. I'm no, just we, we, anyway. No, we do, but but that's that's part of it. I was even going to just transition that, like you're going to be at Summer Game Fest. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Obviously, we you know we got to hang out and chop it up and, and do something. But um, yeah, I'm I'm glad we did this. This is this is just uh, look. Can we can can we address one thing Absolutely. right now before we get out of here? For sure. So I know everybody wants to know about the cooking beef, the cooking battle. When are we, when are we settling that? Just, TD just said in the chat. He said, "Cook off when." Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's my answer. I don't know. We we don't currently have anything lined up. There once upon a time, we actually had, I won't oh, say who man. or how or whatever, but we had it lined up. Yeah. We had sponsorship. Yep. It was going to be great. Yep. And then it wasn't. Yep. <laughs> Yep, it, it was it was gonna be really cool too. Like it yeah. was like we had we had a really fun uh, activation that we were gonna do. I mean, and there's even stuff that's like you know in between both of us having these conversations over the years. That's not even that stuff. Like I I finally told Paris about the Weber Grill stuff that we were trying yeah, to plan yeah. and do, and that that fell through. Um, and all the stuff in between. Look. Here's the real answer to all of y'all who was saying Kai can't cook and all that stuff. First of all, Dead Space says that's not true. Second of all, we ain't doing this thing until somebody comes with some cash or so or so or some video or some some we want to be on on the Lakers crypto court doing this thing for, for for in front of people doing it there. We need we need some stuff. Yeah. 
We need some yes. stuff to make this happen because yeah. we are too damn cool to not have some sponsored dope stuff happen for us for these dudes damn cook off. Uh, or we'll, we'll put it on some TV. We'll put it on network TV. We'll figure out a way to make it happen. We'll, we'll, we'll make it. Now, we'll make it. I, I, now I will say since you and I are actually on here, we're saying it, it for, for public consumption. Yeah. One of, one of the best moments of my life was that showcase. I hate it. When I had the controller. Like, first it. of all, just so people know. And matter of fact. I hate it. I hate don't all Don't even think this. I don't have it. All right, right there. I, I, I keep that. This is something I will always treasure. But even the creation of that <laughs> controller, when they're like, oh, you know, you're going to do a thing for design labs and you, know, you can put some kind of an inscription on it. Yep. And I'll never forget. I go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Not thinking whatever just like oh, i'll be a funny thing to put on there and then obviously in that moment when we were you know when i was filming it and you know the person i was talking to i even made sure he was okay i was like i'm gonna go off script and you know, i'm improvising some are you okay with that and he's like oh yeah yeah it'll be fun because you know we do multiple takes or whatever and when i did that in that because that was just completely off, off the cuff standing ovation for everyone that was there on the film crew <laughs> they all thought it was hilarious and uh I hate it. I hate and, it. and i will never forget being able to watch your reaction when you were when you're watching it you know live or whatever that just brought me the, the biggest joy of my life I, I just absolutely loved it now i'll tell you the second one would be playing dead space and then looking and seeing that i thought that was so cool i go a dumb joke not only made it into an actual video game showcase but it, it is forever ingrained into a video game I freaking love it. It is. It, I was the. I'm the only person on the planet that has an Easter egg in that game. It is yeah. off the dumbest. And if you're watching here on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me, sorry for all the folks who listen to some podcast form. I'm gonna play the clip after we're off air of me getting roasted because that there was it was it was a really fun moment. Like I, I think in a weird way, I wish it was like some like hall of fame for like moments in video games and i want that controller to be in it like somehow yeah, yeah. like i want there to be some like i want that thing to like be at like xbox headquarters or some crap and you get to like have a big picture of you kind of you just holding that thing somewhere because it was just dumb and stupid and great yeah no, the, the two, well well again you, you roasted me with freaking red band is something i'll never forget too but i'll tell you the two reactions i loved on that was yours <laughs> oh. but then it was when kind of funny was watching it oh yeah and, and nick's reaction he goes did paris just use the xbox showcase to roast god i will never forget that he asked it like so serious oh man uh, uh, oh it was so good but, but see but that's why i love you fam that's why i love that you and i i'm 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 a give it slightly serious here yeah that's why i'm so happy that you and i as as two black men in this space can have fun yeah and we can have fun, but I feel that at the same time, we can also represent, let's just keep it a buck, an entire culture in this industry that is underrepresented, because that's just the truth. There is not enough of us doing what we do in this industry, and that is a problem. And we know that certain people know that that's a problem, and hopefully that changes. And not just on our side of content creation, but in actual game development, in leadership as well. It's a problem. It is a problem. I don't feel that our culture is represented enough the way that it should be. And hopefully that changes. And I hope that, you know, people like ourselves are, are representing it in a good way. Cause I know I try. Yeah. Um, 
and and moving forward to inspire more people to get into this stuff so that we see more of us doing this and I, and, I, and i'll piggyback off that and give you some kudos i think the thing that i that i appreciate about you is that and this is the thing that i think a lot of people don't know is that yeah they see us do the ribbing online and all that kind of stuff but like we're text we text each other all the time for for you know <laughs> hey here's the thing that i'm doing like you know, to talk about stuff that we're working on, you know, wins that we get individually and as, as crew, like that part of our relationship and our friendship has been a godsend for me because it is one of those things of like, we are in weird, rarefied air in this, in the rooms that we get a chance to be in. And there's a lot of pressure that I personally feel. And I know you feel this too, yeah. of how do you represent the culture? Well, how do you do it in a way that feels smart when there's a lot of content out there that is within our space that isn't necessarily smart, but gets a lot of love and a lot of play. And how do you do that in a way that is also like trying to figure out good ways to pass batons to other people and lift them up and bring them along side us for whatever, you know, advancements that we've gotten or any kind of um, wins that we've gotten uh, within this industry. It has been really important. And we've both talked to each other about this often about like, how do we figure out good ways to to always keep ladders down, even if even even if we aren't? Because like people still think that we're like at the pinnacle of the thing in some ways. Like people are like, oh yo, y'all made it. Oh y'all are y'all yeah, like cool. two of the biggest names in the space, and we're like, no, we are far from the biggest names in the, in the video game industry. We want to be bigger. We want to continue to do more cool stuff. We want to do all that stuff because we put in the hours and the days and the, and the months and years to be able to do that. But we've also done that with each other in a way that has always felt thoughtful. Like I remember like even, even jokingly about that red man thing of like, he went off on you in a way that I was like, that's not nice. <laughs> like I was yeah. like, I was like, this is my friend. Talk. Like, well, yeah. yeah, I was like, this is actually my friend. Like I actually care about this person. Don't like try to crap on him. And, but, but it's also that stuff of like, we see how the internet works and there have been, there have been parts of the equation in us roasting each other for God the past almost, what, five, six years now at this point? Yeah, it seems like it, yeah. Where people have wanted to make it mean. And we have actively yeah. diffused it and said, no, this is not what this is about. Like, this is about yeah. love. This is about appreciation. This is about poking at each other in a fun way because people do want to kind of flip things into a super negative, gross way. And we just have refused to do that. And that's been great to be able to see us be able to do um, in that way. So, um, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for, for rocking with me. I know I know the, the, the Suns game is on now, so I want to be able to get you to that and get everybody else at home on to go check that thing out too. Um, before we let you go, give the folks at home a little bit of info about some of the stuff that you're working on, the place they can find more of your work, uh, and check out more of the goodness that Paris is bringing to the world. Sure. So you can find me over at Gamertag Radio long-time award-winning podcast yep. with the podcast hall of famer danny Pena and peter toledo you can also find me over at kind of funny um i'm a co-host on their xbox centrist podcast called the x cast and uh I, I i show up in other stuff every now and again you know as, as time allows on some of the other programming um they've that whole kind of funny family you know it's just been amazing and just very supportive of me i love them to death um i'm obviously on social media you can find me on Twitter and I guess blue sky now and whatever else, but wherever <laughs> social media you go to, uh, it's uh, vicious six, nine, six. And yeah, you can see me and Cobb fussing about whatever. And, um, 
Other than that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have my personal YouTube channel. I've definitely not given it the love that it should have um, over the past couple of years, just real life being busy with stuff. But that's just my name, Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. You can find me there as well. But uh, yeah, this is what I do. I, I talk a lot and I talk about video games and basketball and cooking and all this other <laughs> stuff. And, and every now and again, I, I might might host host something. And yeah, that's it. And, and other stuff. Yeah. So Word. look, look out there on the lookout yeah yeah be on the lookout good stuff good stuff coming uh for all of you who are listening in audio form we're gonna say goodbye to you for episode 468 of the swanomy podcast with the fan parasilly uh for everybody here on twitch.tv slash swanomy stick around for another two minutes because i do want to show you that one moment in time uh where i got my life taken away from me by parasilly uh on on the <laughs> <laughs> on the xbox showcase but everybody please make sure you check out the show every monday episodes should be going up uh on all podcast platforms around the globe you can check us out at twitch.tv slash spawn on me is where we do our show live every usually wednesday or thursday night around 6 p.m pst the nba playoffs have screwed up all of that stuff because i'm trying to make sure that i can go watch the games and also make sure i'm not pulling people on to kind of you know mess up their games too so uh it'll it'll usually be on in the afternoons and early evenings for all of that stuff uh we're thinking about and trying to figure out if we're going to bring back spawnies again for this year uh just trying to figure that out because like you've heard in the previous episode i lost my job so trying to do job hunt for all that stuff too and if we do i definitely want to see if we can get paris to come host alongside me and rihanna and maybe we get some some of the good folks in the space to be able to do some goodness goodness there so uh for everybody else at home much love to you all we'll all see you all next week on the next episode of spawn on me wash your hands wash your butt make sure you are finding good ways to keep yourself safe Put some love into the world and also be kind to mother suckers because everybody needs a little bit of kindness in this world. So until next week, we'll see you all very soon. Peace, hair grease, and please don't eat Paris's cooking. Uh, one. <laughs> hey, with that, we're out of here.